0: Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, Clearcast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates, and our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Happy holidays. Welcome to a holiday episode.
1: I'm Lindy Kaiser. With ClearanceJobs.com, joined by Jill Hamilton, Senior Editor at ClearanceJobs.com, we're going to talk about some holiday-related hangups that can affect your security clearance eligibility. Basically, gives us a chance to unpack some hot topics in the security clearance process. These are topics that continue to come up, I would say, year after year, article after article in terms of issues that can affect clearance eligibility, but that do tend to spike around the holidays. So I'm just going to kind of run down the list of some of those topics. The first one is what I like to call a little a bit too much holiday spirit. So the statistics actually show that DUIs go up over the holidays. So I know, Jill, we've written a, a lot of content about this. I know our security clearance attorney, Sean Bigley, has written about DUIs in the security clearance process. Kind of how do D- DUIs show up in the clearance process? I mean, what is some of our content around that that you've seen over at clearancejobs.com? Right.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, alcohol consumption is one of the adjudicated guidelines. But also, you know, like you said, when you get a DUI, that also you know, can come with a record and then that can hit somewhere else and ping you elsewhere. So I think also to think of self-reporting where clearance holders have to self-report, if you do happen to get a DUI over the holidays or any other time of the year, you definitely want to self-report that as opposed to letting the system pick that up on its own because that definitely looks a lot worse. It's just so easy, I think, to not think... (laughs) To not be careful about, you know, driving while under the influence when you're going to all these holiday parties. There's more cops that are who are out and it is something to keep in mind, especially as a clearance holder. I mean, as a citizen, you know, it's a good thing to keep in mind, but (laughs) as a clearance holder, especially when your job is impacted by the choices that you make and is a reflection on you, it is something to keep in mind with all the holiday parties you're going to.
1: You know, I'm from the Midwest, so I whisper it. I'm I'm from the Midwest. I could be from the Washington DC metro. Who knows? I could be from anywhere, but the access to taxis and cabs used to be an issue. I'm just saying Uber has made it a little bit easier to lift the ride sharing applications. I think that you have fewer excuses when it comes to DUIs and when you're out there, just, Sometimes I'd love to see companies even offer following a holiday party like, hey, take an Uber back, you know, to your home or to and from. It might seem more expensive or, you know, silly to take a ride or to ride with somebody else to an event. But I'm going to tell you from uh, seeing some previous cases around it, it will be a lot cheaper to get a ride share than it will be to hire an attorney (laughs) to address your DUI. Which you will likely have to do. I mean, I think that some of the next steps following that, you know, if you get a DUI, it's not going to cost you your clearance in most cases, unless it's a pattern of behavior. And that's an article that Sean has written about that we did note on the site. A single DUI, we generally would not cause a security clearance denial or revocation, unless for some reason the government sees it as a pattern of behavior. And I think he has seen cases where they said, this might be your only DUI, but we do think this, this is the only time you've gotten caught. So the hard and fast rules in the security clearance process are never hard and fast. There's always a lot of gray matter area. They're going to use the whole person concept to establish that. And like you said, the DUI would fall under a criminal conduct issue. The alcohol consumption is, do we think that you have a pattern of alcoholism that's unaddressed? Do we think that you have alcohol issues? And then is the DUI a symptom of alcohol issues? So maybe speak to that. Do you have any thoughts about like why is alcohol consumption an adjudicative guideline? How does that kind of point back to the clearance process? If it's a pattern that's impacting your either level of trustworthiness or being able to be
0: trusted with classified information on a regular basis or impacting your judgments. You know, there's a lot of different security procedures that you have to abide by in a SCIF. And if it's impacting your work life balance on a day to day or even weekly basis you're more likely to overlook security procedures. You could be more likely to overlook how classified documents could be handled. And then even if it's so far, like there's so much of an issue where it could be held against you, like somebody could use that against you, that also makes you a risk. So it's really about risk management for the federal government. They're not trying to say you've had (laughs) one too many whiskeys or however many you're supposed to have. They're not really weighing in on that. They're just weighing in on what kind of risk that you are posing to the federal government and how you can handle their classified information and protect national security. That's what their interest is, is protecting national security. So anytime it's going to impact that. And really, they want people in the system who are going to take ownership for their choices, or if they see a change in their own personal behavior, they're going to actually go and get help. So that's not a slam against you to to get help, it's actually can look as like you're making wise choices and you can be trusted because you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be trusted and making those wise decisions. That was
1: like fantastic. No, I <laughs> love that because again, we get those questions all the time. Like why in the heck is XYZ adjudicative guideline? Well, it is about risk management for the government. Believe it or not, there are smart people in the federal government kind of establishing what this framework looks like. And these issues... Alcohol consumption can point back to, again, the issues of reliability and trustworthiness. So if you have an issue with alcohol, it becomes a matter of not the alcohol itself, but how that points to your judgment and reliability. And we know that alcohol can impair your judgment, especially if you have a major issue with consumption. So the issue is when it comes into addiction, when it comes to how it affects your behavior. And again, the DUI is just like kind of the symptom of the greater behavior, So it will be considered under the whole person concept. It won't necessarily tank your security clearance, but it is something to be aware of. Again, just statistics show the the most dangerous season for DUIs is between Thanksgiving and New Year's, New Year's Day and Thanksgiving. So we're in that kind of sweet spot now where there's just a lot more opportunities to go out there and enjoy yourself. And again, just get a little carried away. And I think just for overall general safety, just be safe, be cognizant and know that As you're mentally processing the cost of, uh, you know, a ride share or a cab, finding a TY will be much more expensive. And I think you had a great point earlier, how companies can look out actually for
0: their employees and coordinate rides or at least just be proactive. I mean, you can be personally proactive. Maybe a a number of your team members, you can kind of talk about how you're going to approach the night. Not, not like with, I mean, not like you have to make major party plans. But I mean, your your transportation is a big thing. I mean, I did work for a contractor one time because the party location was far away. But they did coordinate a bus where you could sign up to be on like the party bus. To, I mean, it's a two-hour drive away to where the party location was. But that was really like I think that was a thoughtful to make sure that people are commuting
1: in a safe way. Yeah. Get on the bus. <laughs> Get on the party bus, people. Yep. Clearance jobs, party bus. It has to happen for our next <laughs> event. So the other topic I want to talk about, I'm actually really excited to talk about this one with you, Jill, because generally you throw me under the bus on this one, the sexual behavior topics. I'd like the record to show I probably write the most about sexual behavior issues on clearance jobs, but at least 50% of the time, it's because Jill told me to write about it. And I'm not sure, happy holidays, Jill. I'm not sure why, but probably because I have no scruples, I'll talk about anything so people know with a straight face. But I, <laughs> again, tis the season, I have love actually on my brain. So it's like, you know, nobody wants to be hairy having an affair over the holidays, but I did some research and affairs do go up over the holidays. It makes me sad. It makes my heart sad. It's stressful. I blame the in loss every time. Just too many, you know, events happening. And people again, we get pushback on this one often at clearance jobs. Hey, and Sean has written about this one too. Sean, it's like he's I guess the the unspoken hero of this podcast because we're gonna talk about all the articles he's written about. He's written about sexual behavior as a adjudicated guideline, because I sometimes hear that pushback too. How in the heck in the you know, this day and age can the government even consider sexual behavior, sexual issues as a part of the security clearance process. And the matter comes down to anything you're trying to hide. We've seen cases of service members uh, involved in swinger parties. We have seen cases, and that's also important where we have the security clearance guidelines, DOD, and within UCMJ has its own requirements too. So the sexual behavior aspects can come up under UCMJ, where maybe you're having an affair and that somehow is an issue under UCMJ. How the affair would affect your security clearance is if you're trying to hide it. And it points back to what you said, the same thing with the alcohol consumption. It's just a matter of reliability and trustworthiness. So clearly, I'm well briefed on these topics, Jill, because you make me write about them. But what's what's your hot take on sexual behavior issues in the clearance process?
0: Anything that people are trying to hide is always going to be come up as a factor. You know, if anything's tried to be hidden, and that can be used against you, like you can be coerced, then that's a major risk factor for the federal government to take on. So that's one major thing. The other is if anything is illegal. So you know the reason why I have you write on Pornhub and impacts to their business all the time is because they have come under scrutiny because you can't prove that there aren't children being impacted by the site. And as soon as you, as a clearance holder, can't beyond a shadow of a doubt if you're going through like a polygraph and you can't say that. That for sure there weren't children involved then suddenly you have a whole different ball game there that's when it becomes an issue so it's not like the federal government saying you can't look at porn what they're saying is you can't use your federal government computer to do it which some have done over the years when it comes into like a, the addiction side of the house then that starts to impact your job and now we have some of the same issues that we have with other things like drugs or alcohol You also can't engage in things that are illegal. So anytime that it's going to push into a side of being illegal, then yeah, that is going to impact your clearance. So you're right. It's one of those ones where it's like, it's a case by case basis when it comes to sexual behavior. I mean, there are some hard and fast rules, but then there's not, you know what I mean? Where it's like, if it's impacting your life, your work and impacting national security increases your risk, you could be coerced for classified information, all those different things that will impact how trusted you are for national security that's where the federal government starts to have a problem <laughs> so that's the case-by-case basis you have to go on yeah
1: and i think it's always worth noting like there's no questions about sexual behavior on the sf-86 your initial security clearance application you're not going to go through that so we're really just talking about folks have to undergo a polygraph law enforcement positions folks going for higher level positions or positions with the intelligence community where you might face more scrutiny around these issues. And like you said, just being able to answer honestly, if you've never consumed any illegal content on the internet, regardless of what that content is, I think is pretty important. And when I see that, I'm starting to get on my advocacy hat here, Jill, a little bit, because we've talked so much about mental health stigma and yet we know that pornography addiction is a major issue. I actually had somebody message me about the security clearance sex talk article that we had on the site and say, hey, just so folks know, there are organizations, Sexual Addicts Anonymous. There are actual programs for this. This is an issue. So get help if you need it. And I really appreciate that because I think I we can get a little cheeky about these topics because it is that's they're awkward. So we get. You know, I use sarcasm as a form of armor over myself. So it's not as we can, but, but honestly, if you have an issue, again, within the security clearance process, we talk so much about mental health issues should not help you, prevent you from getting a security clearance. Being proactive about your mental health is the best thing you can do. I would say the same thing if you have a pornography addiction or something like that, because people, I think, think we think we can stovepipe our problems way better than we can. And so if you have that issue in your your personal life, it's going to seep into your professional life in some way. And that's why we see the folks who start watching things on their workplace device while they're at their workplace or during a lunch break. If you have an addiction, you need to address it and not be afraid that it's going to affect your clearance eligibility. So I think the stigma that we have around mental health issues obviously could be a clear issue around sexual behavior related issues. And we just know like there was a RAND study about emerging issues for young people in the national security process. And I like commend them for actually flagging the prevalence of pornography in that because there is just young people entering federal government have been exposed to it at a much earlier age. It's just out there a lot more. And like you said, these sites like Pornhub continue to get scrutiny for publishing content that's illegal and non-consensual. And if you find yourself viewing that content, it could affect your clearance eligibility.
0: No, I think that's a great point in that like it's the next generation coming in, we're we're trying to attract the next generation of talent. And that's a really important piece of the puzzle to know that we probably are going to run into more issues with different addictions that look different than what they did for the previous generations. And so having some thoughts in place about how we're going to come alongside them, we want the next generation to come in and they have been exposed at a far younger age. And as their brain is still forming and going in development mode, those patterns set in and they do take I mean, it's not like it's impossible to change. you know. But at the same time, it is something to address and keep in mind as we're trying to recruit them and have the next generation in there. But yeah, Pornhub is being slapped all the time with different regulations, but or even like people banning them from their site, and yet they still continue to grow. So obviously, their base of people who Want access continues to grow, and their ability to do that, despite the bans, is continuing on. So it's not an issue that's going to go away overnight.
1: Something to be aware of. So now I, I want to pivot to like a little bit more a holiday cheer topic as we close out and talk about what happens if you get a windfall of cash over the holidays and how that could affect your clearance eligibility. And that ties into an, a popular article on the Clearance Job Site this year about the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. And how you may be surprised to know that if you have a transaction over $10,000, that gets reported to FinCEN and can affect your clearance. So what were the articles on that that we published and how does FinCEN or how does how does finances play into the clearance process?
0: Well, a lot of times I say finances play into the clearance process. Um, the other side, if, you, if you're not like those lucky clearance holders who get a windfall of cash from great uncle Bob over the holidays <laughs> – and instead you're headed into debt in order to finance your holiday season. A lot of times you see debt being the major financial issue that clearance holders run into where they show that they can't keep up with the debts that they've accumulated or made unwise decisions. Here again it's a risk factor that federal government they're not trying to like make you lose your job and put you further in debt. But they are trying to make sure that candidates in national security are reliable and trustworthy, and that plays out in our debt. But it also, when you get a windfall of cash, that also could signal that somebody wants something from you. Doesn't always happen. Some people are just lucky like that. Hello, lottery, right? But when you get a windfall of cash, that does need to be reported because they want to know where the source is, what the reasonings are, not because they're trying to track your life, but because they want to know that somebody is not trying to exchange cash for classified information or grease the skids for any future flow of classified information to them. You know, It's all about Managing risks.
1: Yeah, and I think that's worth noting too. I mean, I think we have the issue of like the espionage on LinkedIn that happens and the, you know, a lot of it is the research branch, the university system, how kind of China has done a really great job of looking to that. I think it's worth noting, like we report on some of those cases, and sometimes I see those folks, and I'm like, you know what, academia pays, and yet this person in China was offering you a really high sum for your quote unquote research. So I think that's just it is a red flag. Like if you're getting paid for even even a legitimate question or a legitimate aspect of your expertise for more than it's worth. I mean, it's a big push, I know, for the National Counterintelligence and Security Center to say, like, China particularly is after any kind of intellectual property they can get even outside of the cleared space. So if you are in the tech industry, if you are in a different industry, they are certainly going to be looking for what they can get from your company if the price is too good to be true it's probably cuz it's too good to be true so if you find yourself getting a really high freelance rate for your cleared knowledge then think twice and cuz again they're using within networks so it might be someone you know it's you know it's nothing about race nationality, it's the Chinese government itself creating inroads to get this information. And finances should be a red flag. If you're getting paid too much for knowledge or information, then that could be an issue. Right. We just had an article just recently
0: that it was a, you know, look back on history where the military member had left the military and hoarded classified information with the intent being able to sell it at a later date for whenever they could get the the right amount of cash. So they thought if they could sit on it for just a little bit longer, they can get the money. So this is why it's cases like that where that's why the government cares when you have an influx of cash showing up. Insider threat is a major issue. And one of the ways to note that is either somebody who's in debt and might be a risk where they could get contacted by a foreign government with ways to remove all of their debt in exchange for information, or they see large cash flow coming in for people. And that sends up the red flag.
1: Happy holidays from your friends at clearancejobs.com. We got some hot topics addressed today, Jill, so I really appreciate it. If you have more questions on these topics or want more context, definitely visit us over at clearancejobs.com.
0: This is Katie Keller, editor at ClearanceJobs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cleared Past. For more information on career and recruiting advice, visit news.clearancejobs.com.